Thank you for joining us on another episode of American Timelines. I'm Amy. And I'm Joe. And together we are the greatest American couple in the world. (laughs) That's a little much. Okay, maybe a little bit much. Um, Welcome to episode six of American Timelines. 1995. This week we talk about the year 1995. Um, that's right, 1995. Uh, but before we get into 1995, as always, um, many of our many many of our listeners have pointed <laughs> out uh, some mistakes we've made, um, errors, things we've said that gross incompetencies. Thing, yeah, things we've said that aren't true. Some are just, just flat bullshit. out lies. Yeah. Um, sometimes we just say things yep. just to piss people off. That's but true um, too. we always try to go back and correct them so that people keep listening. Sometimes it's it's a tactic. You know, if yeah, you lie, they're going to listen next week to see if you correct it. So uh, without further ado, here are our corrections, corrections and, and apologies. apologies. Okay. I've added something to corrections and apologies. It's corrections, apologies, and clarifications. Oh, okay. I am guilty of a lot of times just mentioning people's names as if everyone in the world knows who Steve Bishop and Brian McCartney and Drew Conley are, mm-hmm. which they don't. But if I give a short little description of who they are and why they're relevant to the story, yep. it can be funny if we end up leaving it in. So, okay. um, Brian McCartney, we talked about because he was appalled about you ordering cheese fries from, from Minnie Minoso. Minnie Minoso. I said that he was a Chicago Cubs great, oh. which I assumed. I did not know he was not a Chicago Cub. He was a Chicago White Sox. Oh, okay. Um, which is on the south side of Chicago. But That's we right. did see him, as I vaguely remembered. It was like I felt like we saw him. Yeah, we were pretty hammered. Yeah, we were we were hammered a lot when we lived in Chicago. We yep. drank a the lot whole, of beer. Pretty much the whole time. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. So I was beginning to doubt myself. Like maybe I didn't see him, but I know we were at a bar in the we north side, the which was cubby Sluggers. Bear. Oh, I thought we were at the Cubby Bear. Remember there was the Cubby Bear and there were Sluggers? Oh, that's and right. And they were both yeah. close by. I distinctly remembered you seeing this guy just sitting in the kitchen. He was just sitting in the kitchen, so yeah. you would assume he's a cook or something, yeah. and you asked him for cheese fries, and Brian was appalled. Now, Brian listened back to the podcast, and he said, first of all, he did not play for the Cubs, you idiot. He played for the White Sox, and Brian's a huge yeah, baseball, baseball fan. Guy. He's the guy yeah. who... So Brian is a good friend of ours. We moved to Chicago, didn't know anybody. He, We had mutual friends, and he contacted us, and luckily took us under his wing, and he was a fellow theater person who loved sports so we mm-hmm. got along really well so we got to and they like to drink so that helped i started thinking maybe we didn't see him and if he played for the white Sox, why would he be in a cubs bar but i looked up i googled him mm-hmm. he, he recently passed away um Minnie minoso and rest in peace but i found a thing online during his obituary about somebody saying that yes he used to hang out at, a, at, at sluggers, sluggers. Yep. and he would hang out in the kitchen and just yeah. he didn't he didn't own it i thought he oh, owned it yeah. he didn't own it or anything he just hung out there oh. and they would give him free food the reason why brian doesn't remember the sluggers incident is that he thought the only time he saw him was at a chicago white Sox park at a game at, at the white Sox. Oh. he was lucky enough to get invited to sit in scout seats right behind home plate for one game it's all you can eat food and all you can drink beers there. It's awesome. Wow. He said Minnie Minoso was sitting at the bar by himself at the end. He asked the bartender if that was him and he confirmed it. The bartender told him that Minnie Minoso was there for every single home game. He eats, drinks, then packs up a meal to go. Oh. He had no money. Oh. All, all he had was his fame. He was a Hall of Famer with his number retired and everything, but he played at a time when they didn't get paid much. Oh, that's sad. He never had a ticket to the game, but everyone just let him let him in to eat and have a few beers and pack up the meal for the next day. Every game, that's what he did. And I wonder Brian, what he did when it wasn't baseball season. Was, like, what he did? Well, I think we saw him when it wasn't baseball yeah, season. So, so, so Brian said he probably hung out at Sluggers because they let him in. Yeah. And people would buy him drinks and get him food. So he was probably sitting back there because he got free food. So when you came up and said, can I get some damn cheese fries? What are you doing sitting there? He I want, didn't say that. Yeah, I know like you didn't say that. Like that but he, he wanted to help Yeah. because he probably thought, you know, all I'm doing is sitting here. So yeah. that's a really sad yeah, story that's so that, sad. that that's what happened to the poor guy. And he was an amazing baseball player. Yeah. Corrections and apologies. Do you remember when we talked about 
the blobs in Oakville, yep. Washington that were falling from the sky. You think they had human cells in them or whatever? So this was in August of 94. There was a rainstorm, blobs of translucent gelatinous subs- substance, each half the size of grains of rice. So they're smaller oh, blobs they're than little. I was thinking. Yeah. yeah. They fell at a farmhouse of Sunny Barcliffe. Shortly afterwards, his mother, Dottie Hearn, was rushed to the hospital, suffering from dizziness and nausea. And Barcliffe and a friend also suffered minor bouts of fatigue and nausea after handling the blobs. However... Ooh, aliens. Do- yeah, it's weird. But the doctor who treated him expressed doubt that their symptoms were due to the blobs and appeared instead to have been caused by an inner ear condition. Hmm. All three of them with an yeah, ear? Yeah, that's, that's weird. W- that is weird. It was reported that Sonny's kitten had died after the contact with the blobs. Oh, man. Following a battle with severe intestinal problems prior to the incident. Well, the cat was probably eating it. Yeah, that's what you assume. Yeah. It probably tasted delicious. Ew. Uh, the blobs were confirmed to have fallen a second time at that same farm, but no one got ill the second time. Several attempts were made to identify the blobs, uh, with Barcliffe initially asking her mother's doctor to run tests on the substance at the hospital. Uh, the, the doctor obliged and reported that it contained human white blood cells. So that's where the human white blood cells yeah, came okay. from. Um, he also managed to persuade Mark Osweiler of the Washington, Washington State Department of Ecology's Hazardous Material Spills Response Unit to examine the substance. You'd think the CDC would be out there. Yeah, I don't know. While, while white blood cells contain nuclei, further examination by Osweiler staff reported that the blobs contain cells that lack the cellular structure. So it's kind of like two, oh, two, two different, different stories, stories. So which is right and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Here are the theories that cropped up at the time, and this is where it gets fun. A popular theory with the townsfolk at the time was the jellyfish theory. This postulated that the blobs were the result of bombing runs by the military in the ocean 50 miles away from the farm, causing an explosion with a smack of jellyfish, which were then dispersed into a rain cloud. The theory was so popular with the townsfolk that there was discussion of holding a jellyfish festival, and the local tavern even came up with a new drink in honor of the incident called the jellyfish, hmm. composed of vodka, gelatin, and juice. Gross. Yeah, that'd be so gross. Yeah. Um, another theory was that the blobs were drops of concentrated fluid waste from an airplane toilet. Um, Ew, <laughs> that's really gross. But Barcliffe contacted the FAA about that, and they rebuffed that idea, saying that all commercial plane toilet fluids are dyed blue, and these blobs didn't weren't blue. So they didn't say, no, we don't drop it out of the plane in the sky. Yeah, they they just said, <laughs> right. it's just not blue. <laughs> right. Oh, God. They didn't say that. So That's pretty gross. I guess that happens. Yeah, I guess they do. I've never once thought about what happens. That's, yeah, I haven't either. You'd think they would empty it like a Johnny on the spot or something and take it off like the poop truck you know about that stuff flying everywhere I know let's hope that's not and how many stories people have told you about diarrhea on a plane I know <sighs> so it's all from wikipedia and popculture.us corrections and apologies last episode when I was going on and on about how you should get to murder someone based on yes. how many touchdowns you yes, have right my there's the flaw in my logic was OJ didn't even have a hundred touchdowns. Oh, he didn't. He had a lot of yards. He had two thousand oh. yard. He had a two thousand oh, yard season. The first one. He didn't have a lot. To, he, that he distinction had, means nothing to me. Yeah, he did have sixty one touchdowns, but okay. not a hundred, and okay. he had fourteen receiving. So touchdowns. now you're changing your story to if you get this many yards, you can kill somebody. No, no, I think I'm actually saying. OJ, I still think it's touchdowns. I think OJ just shouldn't have been able to murder something. <laughs> okay. Um, so that's the only reason he should not murder. He didn't have enough touchdowns. Okay. So that's all the corrections and apologies I had. Did you have any corrections and apologies? I don't apologize. Oh, so. boom. So that's, that's that. Boom. Yeah. All right. So what happened in 1995? 1995. Oh, Jesus. 1995. All right. 95, y'all. We all are aware of the difficulties we had last week uh, trying to get the world-renowned factologist Armand Crisp. But we think we have him back. All the issues from last week are settled. His his dog is taken care of. We'll try um, this again. Yeah. There's no more. <laughs> Unfortunately, he had a lot of pus in his mouth last week. <laughs> and now I think he's got no distractions, and he's going to help us. Armand Crisp is known for having facts for every year. So now we're on 1995. So, Mr. Crisp, are you there? Uh, nine, nine. Um, this is uh, Zvolf Hammerstein. Um, Armand uh, had to uh, be somewhere else, so I am a friend, and I am oh. also, uh, how you say, factologist. Oh. Um, I'm from the university. Oh, oh you're. Uh... Yeah, University of Facts in Heidelberg. I got my degree oh, in oh, facts, so I am taking over for Armand and uh, for today's show. I have the facts for you. 
Yes, and I, I got to tell you, I love uh, Americanische Zeitlinen. It's uh, American uh, timelines. It's, it's one of the favorites in Germany. We love it. And we love you, Grover Cleveland Steamer, and you, Amy. And I have to tell you, Grover, my wife and I tried a Cleveland Steamer the other night. Um, she enjoyed it immensely. Uh, I thought it was a little bit too tangy because, you know, I do not like fish. And so <laughs> it was not very good. Okay. Okay. Wow. That's a lot of information. Oh, thank you. Um, great. It's great. Uh, great to have you, no, Wolf. I'm, yeah, please, please give our regards to Mr. Crisp. But... Uh, we're glad to have Sorry, you. No, I think he has uh, he has uh, problems with his dog again. Uh, That's what we gathered oh, from more last with the dog, huh? From last week. Um, well, uh, can you help us with 1995? Uh, 1995. Yes, I have some uh, uh, notes on such things. Uh, 1995. Um, in 1995, in uh, in Germany, was the um, debut of the famous show Gustav und Gruber. And now, what this was? It was uh, two puppets. One was a cinder block, and the other was a bratwurst. A bratwurst. A cinder block and a bratwurst? <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah, yeah. And they talked about things like uh, hygiene and posture and uh, work efficiency, all the things that kids enjoy. <laughs> and it's very, it's still going to this day. <laughs> the kids enjoy that. I think working. a new guy is, is playing the uh, really? cinder block, though. Okay, um, that is fact number one about Germany. <laughs> Uh, fact number two from uh, This is American timelines, though. Uh, oh, well, the, um, excuse me, I hate to interrupt, but this is actually American timelines, not German timelines. Oh, I, I'm so sorry. I, I only have German facts. I have a couple of more, though, if you're interested. They're very good facts. Yeah, maybe hit us with a couple. Yeah. Do you remember uh, Klaus Meiner from The Scorpions, the, the lead singer? Yes, yes, The uh, Scorpions. He yes. had a number one hit. It was called Ich habe eine rote Bleistift. And uh, translated, that means I have a red pencil. <laughs> and it, it went sort of like this. Uh, I have a red pencil. You have a pencil. <laughs> Let's go to my apartment and I'll write on your face. That's and so on. Ooh, so on. It was song. the number one song for 89 weeks. Really? Six. Yeah, 89 weeks. <laughs> so that's that's like well uh, into 96 then. Time. Yeah, yeah, it, it spans. <laughs> No, it's a really good one. Okay, and then the third fact I had for you, and this is not very known by uh, lots of people, um, the uh, Helmut Kohl was the uh, Chancellor of Germany in 1995, and he went to the uh, G7 summit, and he won the breath-holding contest with <laughs> all the leaders. He held his breath uh, for five minutes. That's, that's very good. Did he get brain damage from that? I could not do it. Oh, I wouldn't say, yeah, he's very smart, man. Yeah, I, I wasn't aware there were breath-holding contests at this... Well, they said. do lots of fun stuff. <laughs> I believe they play uh, Kick the Can, yeah. maybe? Yeah, that's a interesting. I don't know. That's Dodgeball? good. I don't know. But those, those were my facts. Um, wow, those... For 1995, I think. That's interesting. Okay. That's, I'm done. sure we could Google those to kind of verify them, too. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, you'd have to use uh, Henrik, not Google. That's the German... Uh, <laughs> the German no, no, it's That's the Henrik. German Google, I assume? You go, oh, do you know what that is? Go to the Henrik. <laughs> and we look it up. Not everything is Google. <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah, that's true. Well, it's, it's been great to have you. Uh, Anyway, I don't really have anything else to say to you. Okay. Well, thank you so much for yes. coming on. And and please give our regards to uh, Armand Crisp. And we hope his dog feels better. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Wolf Hammerstein, renowned German factologist. Politics in 1995. Mm-hmm. You're not going to believe this. Okay. While visiting Washington, D.C., Russian President Boris Yeltsin was found on Pennsylvania Avenue, drunk, in his underwear, and trying to hail, no. trying to hail a cab in order to find pizza. No way. Yeah. In his underwear? In his underwear. Oh, my God. Man, I'd buy that for a dollar. What? I'd like to see Boris Yeltsin in his underwear. Buy that for a dollar. So we think that Putin's so crazy. Yeltsin, I think, was just as crazy. Well, no, Putin's evil. Yeah, but he's always shirtless, riding a horse Yeah, but stuff. he's evil. Like, he's a... Yeltsin, I think, was just drunk all the time. Yeah, but I think he was pretty Putin bad. is just pretty bad, the too. devil. Like, he just... He's very... Nefarious. Well, he's our president, so. Yeah, that's true. You know, we better take that back. He's our president's butt lover. Yeah. <laughs> butt buddy. <laughs> People don't say butt buddy. Butt buddy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Trump and Putin are butt buddies. Yeah, they are. 
1995, y'all. How about a computer? An Apple Macintosh computer? You want to guess oh. what it cost in 1995? Um, a Mac. Oh, it was probably like $300, $400, something like that. Well, hold on to your underpants. Oh, boy. Because it was $2,099. Wow. Because it was just brand new technology. In 1995, think about like, yeah. remember those big Mac? Giant things. Mac? Yep iMacs and stuff well those I, were later those were a little bit later but still nobody had a computer yeah so we couldn't you couldn't afford one i remember right. nobody had one i had a, right. i had a brother word processor yeah, in 95. yeah i remember those because uh, that was affordable but you couldn't afford a computer nobody had two thousand nobody did 95 y'all uh the 95 world series yeah it was the 91st edition of major league baseball's championship series and this the winner of the world series that year was the nl champion atlanta braves and they beat the Cleveland Indians from okay. AL. What was remarkable about this was uh, they won they won in six games. Captured their th- it was their third World Series championship in franchise history. Now listen to this: it's the Atlanta Braves yeah. won their third championship in franchise history, along mm-hmm. with the 1914 Boston Braves and the 1915. 1957 Milwaukee Braves, making them the first team to win three crowns in three different cities. Okay, the Braves, got it. So the Atlanta Braves were in Boston. They moved to Milwaukee, which I didn't even know that the Braves were ever in Milwaukee. And then then they they won their third in Atlanta. So no team has ever won three crowns in three different cities. Um, Football, the Super Bowl uh, was between the San Francisco 49ers and the San Diego Chargers. Okay. You know who won? No. Why would I know who won? (laughs) Do you care? No. Well, the 49ers defeated the Chargers by the score of 49-26, and they were the first team to win five Super Bowls, so of course... the first team to win the the amount that they were named. Like, they're 49ers, and they won 49... To 26? Yeah. Oh, that's probably... That's true. That's probably the first time that's ever happened. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's never been another, like, the, there's, there's not the 26ers. Right. Or the 31ers. So that's true. That's right. I'm right. Yeah, I know, they probably never scored know a foot. lot about football. You're a genius. Yep. But the big story about that year was, it was the year that Steve Young for the 49ers, mm-hmm. he finally leapt out of the shadow of his predecessor, Joe Montana. I'm so glad you went to Wikipedia and you got more information here's, about sports. But here's the part about the Super Bowl you'll care about. Okay. Kathy Lee Gifford sang the National Anthem. Why would I care about that? You love the National Anthem and you love Kathy Lee. Neither thing you, do I love. You watch Kathy Lee and Hoda every morning. I do not. Yeah, I do. work. I have a DVR job. DVR it. No, I don't. Do I know who, who did the coin toss? No. Okay, I won't tell you then. I don't care. Guess what? America doesn't get to hear it either. Do you want to know who, who played the halftime show? You care about that? Um, Michael Jackson. No, that was last year. Oh. Tony Bennett, Patti LaBelle, Arturo Sandoval, and the Miami Sound Machine. The Miami Sound Machine. They were terrible. Isn't that Gloria Estefan? Yeah. She was with the Miami Sound Machine? Yeah, she was. Oh. It doesn't say Gloria Estefan, just the machine. That was that was the name of it, yeah. Just the machine was there, apparently, not her. The cool thing is every year in wrestling... um, the beginning of the year, they have something called the Royal Rumble. Do you know what the Royal Rumble is? Well, I've heard you blather on about it before, so. So what do you think it is, then? It's some kind of homoerotic festival, shirtless guys hugging. You're close. Yeah. Close. Yeah. It's it's a vicious battle okay. uh, of 30 warriors. And the, the winner of this giant battle every yeah. every starts with two men in the ring, yeah. and every two minutes another man joins them. Okay, and they pick their numbers at random, yeah. and whoever wins this, and you get eliminated by getting thrown over the top rope. Okay, uh, whoever is the last person, whoever wins the Royal Rumble, uh, gets to try to get the champion goes for the championship belt at WrestleMania now. Yeah. Okay, so that year. Every year, I'm going to tell you who won it and then what the WrestleMania main event was. Shawn Michaels won the Royal Rumble yeah. that year when he eliminated the British Bulldog. Now, see, here's what happened. The British Bulldog threw Shawn Michaels over the top rope mm-hmm. and then thought he won and was raising his hands in victory. Yeah. Shawn Michaels, as he was flying over, he held onto the top rope and his feet never touched the floor. So he was just hanging from the top rope. Yeah. Davy Boy Smith, who was a British Bulldog, turned away, celebrated, got up on the top turnbuckle, was like, Raising his arms up like, oh, I won. This is great. 
Shawn Michaels flipped back into the ring and then knocked him over the top rope. But, you know, honey, it's it's all choreographed. It's not real. So that's not like that amazing because they they choreograph the whole thing. They probably rehearse it. Right. Yeah. So it's not like that's an amazing thing that happened. That is, it's an act. Well, so was Days of Our Lives. Right. But it, do you see what I'm saying? Like, it's not. It's It's exciting. It's No. It's, it's thrilling. It, for no, the fans. it's not. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but we still don't know what the, it's like. It's like theater. Okay. Like, what are you gonna? It's like. So you're telling me I should stand up at Phantom of the Opera and scream? He didn't really die. Chandelier didn't really fall. It's pretend. No. All right. What's next? Touche. What's next? That that year was WrestleMania 11 in 1995, okay. um, and it's highly regarded as the worst WrestleMania ever. Um, it was in oh, Hartford, why? Connecticut. Um, because the main event was a match between NFL linebacker Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow. That's why it was the worst. And, and Lawrence Taylor won the match. Uh, and it led to Bam Bam Bigelow being kicked out of Ted DiBiase's million-dollar corporation. Uh, and Shawn Michaels faced the champion Diesel in a title match. But he didn't, he didn't win the championship. But I think it's highly regarded as the worst WrestleMania because the match between Lawrence Taylor and Bam Bam Bigelow... Uh, it brought a lot of mainstream coverage to WWF, but the reactions were mixed. Some people thought, oh, wow, Lawrence Taylor actually did pretty good for a non-wrestler. Others thought the WWF pushing a football player to defeat a wrestler made professional wrestling look bad. <laughs> it's such a high-class event otherwise. And another bit I'm going to keep in here every episode yeah, because yeah. I can't wait to hear the horses' names or the Kentucky Derby champions. Okay. What's the horse's name? You want to guess? No. God, you're terrible at guessing the I am. Horses. I because they're. I, how am I going to know? Okay. Seabiscuit is the only one I know. Well, this one you'll be amazed because it's also your nickname, Thunder Gulch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I appreciate that. Okay, let's move on. Thunder Gulch. Mm-hmm. Um, now we have your name, your podcast name, nope. Grover Cleveland Steamer and Thunder Gulch. Nope. That's all. Thomas Grasso. His last meal before his execution was twenty-four mussels. 24 clams, a double cheeseburger, six ribs, two strawberry milkshakes, half a pumpkin pie, strawberries, and a can of SpaghettiOs. Jeez, why the can of SpaghettiOs? His final statement was, I did not get my SpaghettiOs. I got spaghetti. I want the press to know this. (laughs) Jeez. He was pissed. Why would you want to eat all that before you die? Well, you die, so what the hell? Might as well get the last flavors of your life. Might as well have somebody have to clean all that out. He was probably just eating it real fast, knowing he's going to die. He's not going to have the indigestion. So just all the flavors. And maybe he didn't eat all. You know, maybe like they probably just take a it. bite of everything. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. That's all. A Tokyo subway sarin attack took Sar- place. Oh yeah, Om Shinrikyo. Is that how you say that? Sarin. Sarin gas. Yeah, that sarin. was Om Shinrikyo. Oh, you know about this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a cult in Japan. Yeah, Tokyo subway sarin attack took place in which twelve died and over four thousand were injured. Many yeah. permanently. They did. They botched it, or it would have been much, much worse. The attack was perpetrated by Om Shinrikyo. Om Shinrikyo, a doomsday cult. Yes, you know of that, huh? Yes. Why do you know about that? Do you just remember that? Last podcast on the left, baby. Oh. But there's they do like a four parter on Om Shinrikyo, and it's fascinating. I mean, it was a bad like that cult was crazy, really? like worse than anything we've ever, worse than Jim Jones ever wow. was. Last podcast on the left. If you haven't heard of it. Um, we'd like to recommend that. Um, yeah, that's the best so, podcast. So much better than this one. <laughs> well, let them know that you heard about them through us. Uh, yeah, you know we like to help people out. Right. You know. <laughs> yeah. Right. We like to help podcasts are just starting. Yeah. Uh, get going. Mm-hmm. That's all. Convicted killer Daniel Luther Heiss discovered that the key pictured on his prisoner's information handbook was the master key for the whole prison. Fellow inmate Shane Baker, a trained jeweler, replicated it and both escaped. Wait, read that again. They each got a prisoner's information handbook. Okay. And pictured on the handbook was the master key for the whole prison. They had a picture of it. So how did what did they do? That a fellow inmate of Daniel Luther Heiss, Shane Baker, was a trained jeweler. So he made he one. He replicated it from wow. a picture. Why would they have a picture of the master key? Because they're fucking idiots. idiots. Uh, and what happened then? They get out? They, they escape? both escaped. That's all. 
1995 Chicago heat wave killed 739 people. Whoa, that's a lot of people. More than the Great Fire of 1871. Holy moly. I didn't know that. Remember being real hot in 95? <sighs> I don't remember. Not particularly. I don't really remember. We didn't get to Chicago till 99. So. Well, we were in Chicago, but it would have been hot everywhere. I know. Up, up north where we're from. Yeah. That's seven Over 700 people. That's a lot. A man named Scott Amadour mm-hmm. was murdered by an acquaintance, Jonathan Schmitz, after Scott admitted he had feelings for Jonathan in the Jenny Jones show. Oh, I heard about that. The show never aired. Yep. He, it was like, you know how Jenny Jones, she was like Donahue or Geraldo or whatever. Yeah. One of those shows. I and, barely remember her. And, um, Jenny Jones, she had blonde hair. And it was, he was, the guy felt humiliated. Because they were friends, and the yeah, he, he, yeah, and the yeah, other yeah. guy said admitted his feelings for him, and so he killed him. Gosh. Yep, I heard about that one. Oh, I never heard about that. Uh, Phil Donahue ended in '95, by the way. '95, y'all. Uh, Washington, the Washington NBA team called the Bullets, the Washington Bullets, mm-hmm. changed their name to the Wizards because of the notoriously high murder rate in Washington D.C. at the time it became official with the 1997 season. Do you remember that? them being called the bullets i you know what honestly i'll admit i didn't know they had a team i thought the washington wizards were an expansion team i remember becoming aware of the washington wizards yeah in like nine probably 2002 mm-hmm. when i went to dc and we went to a game michael jordan was like part owner or something then oh okay and so we went to a washington wizards game because we were in dc and i I will admit, I thought they were an expansion team because I don't remember hearing of them. You idiot. But they were the Bullets before that. I didn't know that because I don't care about NBA much. Yeah. But I do, now that I read this, I kind of remember the Washington Bullets. That is all, y'all. MacArthur Wheeler robbed two Pittsburgh banks with lemon juice on his face. What? Since lemon juice makes for invisible ink, he thought it would render his face <laughs> invisible on camera. That's so stupid. He was caught that night. <laughs> He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> what a dumbass. <laughs> MacArthur Wheeler's a dumbass. <laughs> what a dumbass. Uh, we're going to find a picture of him and post it on our yeah. website, historyforjerks.com. We'll have to do that. Because that guy's a dumbass. Yeah. Dumbass MacArthur Wheeler. <laughs> so his face would be invisible. <laughs> God. Ah, dumbass. Okay, see if you remember this. Okay. This happened April 12th of 1995. Okay. Drew Barrymore was on David Letterman. Do you remember what she yeah, did? Yeah, she took her. She showed him her yeah, boobs. Yeah, she table danced for David Letterman on his talk show and with her and back to the audience. Flashed, flashed her Dave boobs by lifting up her shirt. Yeah, I remember that. I remember seeing that? Yeah, because you could see some side boob. Yeah, you could. And that was great. Yeah. Um, there's nothing wrong with side boob or front boob or anything. All right. And Drew Barrymore is an attractive gal. And you, you know, here's the thing: you automatically know that I think she's attractive because right. you looked like her. I did when I met you. And That's right. So if I'm attracted to you, I must be attracted to her. Also, the same reason I always think it's weird. I think twins are weird. If you're ever dating a twin or if you marry a twin, that twin's sister knows that you think she's hot. Yeah, that's right. No matter what. Because they look exactly the same. You get yep. a boner for one, you get a boner for both of them. So I twins, don't... twins that you're listening, you're fucking weirdos. All Why fucking are the twins, twins weird? It's you who's weird. No, all twins are fucking freaks. No. <laughs> They're fucking weird freaks. No, that's it. They're, you're really one person. There's just another one of you no, walking around. It's like if you true. lost your arm and it was walking around. That's not true. Out in public, getting a separate job. What about those Siamese twins that have just like an extra head growing uh, out of the back of their hot. neck? That's hot. It's hot. You think? We'll bang that. <laughs> right. We'll bang them. Um, so we've now we've <laughs> now lost all twins yeah. as our audience. It's true. Twins, Marsha Heaton fans. Uh, the KKK. The KKK. Patricia Eaton. We're going to get into some more white supremacist groups that we'll probably drop off after you my my section here. Yeah, honestly, we yeah. don't need them. And no, I don't think right. they listen. I don't know if they know what a podcast is. Anyway. It's true. <laughs> that is all, y'all. Marlon Brando, as a guest on Larry King Live, kissed a surprised Larry on the mouth. Whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. You hear that whole thing that recently came out about Marlon Brando and Richard no. Pryor? No, but talk more into your beer glass because that's a great sound. Oh, yeah. Can you hear that? This is a delicious hop slam. All right, stop it. Hop slam by Bell's Brewery. I was it's being the most sarcastic. Delicious beer of all time. All right, what uh, what happened to Marlon Brando? You hear about Marlon Brando and Richard Pryor? It just recently came out in twenty eighteen. No, I did not. What? Richard Pryor's wife. I think she published a book or something. Uh, no, no, it was uh, Quincy Jones. 
said this, and Richard Pryor's wife confirmed it, that Richard Pryor and Marlon Brando banged each other. We're lovers. They had sex. They weren't lovers. They just, they, they just had sex. That's what lovers are. Well, lovers are, are like a relationship that people like make love to each other more than once. I think they just like were on so many drugs, they banged each other. Okay. Like, you can just bang somebody and not be lovers with them. All right. They effed. Okay. So, but anyway, Marlon Brando kissed Larry King live. I would like to watch that. You, do you remember? Do you know what he looked like in 1995? Larry King? No, Marlon, both of them. Oh, Marlon Brando's a big fat guy. I know. You would like to watch that? Larry King. You would like to watch him kissing oh, Larry God, King? Yeah. Yuck. I mean, no offense, but every time uh, I kiss you, I picture Larry, All right. Larry King All right. and Marlon Brando kissing. Okay, what's That's next? That's hot. What is, what chicks next? would dig that, too. No, chicks Young don't chicks. dig that. No. A lot of millennials, they, they're hot for Larry King and yeah. Marlon Brando. All right. Uh, <laughs> 95, y'all. Cindy Crawford and husband Richard Gere, who had a gerbil stuck up his ass. No, took out a full page ad. <laughs> oh my God! They took out a full page ad in the London Times to proclaim their heterosexuality. What? They did that. The 1994 marriage ended in '95. Still straight, they say. Who cares? I guess back then, Richard Gere was real insecure about the rumors that about went around about him. Well, it's got to be true then, right? No. Do you think, was this a, were There's they no Scientologists? Were they Scientologists? No. But it sounds like something Scientologists would do, but no. I just wonder, because, you know, Scientology is famous for arranging Anti-gay. gay. Or, no, they just arrange marriages for gay guys. Well, it's, it's they're against gays, too. Well, yeah, but they, I mean, everyone, they, I think they know that John Travolta and Tom Cruise are gay, and so yeah, they, they arrange yeah, marriages, marriages with hot chicks to make everyone think they're straight. Right. So, but I, it's probably not just Scientology that does it. I think in Hollywood, mm-hmm. especially then, when homophobia was still so rampant. Right. Somebody like Richard Gere. Who's like a sex symbol Like or his whatever. career would be over if everybody knew he was gay. Right. So, oh, who's going to marry? Cindy Crawford, Somebody the hottest really hot. in the world. That's right. And so what does Cindy Crawford get out of it? I don't know. Does it just like elevate her fame? Maybe she's gay too. Who knows? That'd be hot. <laughs> God. Mississippi didn't ratify the 13th Amendment abolishing slavery until March 16th, what? 1995. Oh, no, you're kidding. Oh, God, that just sunk my heart. Yeah. I just ridiculous. lost my boner. You had a boner this whole time? Yeah. That's a little weird. <laughs> that made me lose it. That sucks. It's back from the Marlon Brando, Larry King conversation. Uh, yeah, that's why. Yeah, that gave me a boner. Uh, celebrity paralyzed... <laughs> So, <laughs> so we've had the celebrity, f- celebrity airplane, airplane death. We had the celebrity car crash, comedian car, car crash, crash cele- celebrity on the set death. Yes, this is the celebrity paralyzed by a horse, <laughs> Christopher Reeve. Yes, <laughs> Christopher Reeve starred in the film Above Suspicion, in which he played a quadriplegic character, and premiered six days before his horse riding accident. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. That's crazy. That's really weird. He was paralyzed by a horse. I remember that. that but was I didn't know he was in a movie about being quadriplegic before that. I didn't either. Um, and, you know, he was just like, I don't know what number in a long line of tragic Superman. stories about Superman. Yeah, people. Superman curse. Dean Cain's only curse was that his career sucks. Yep, that's right. Um, poor Dean Cain. y'all. Rock musician heart failure death. Oh. 1995. Do you know who the rock musician heart failure death was? Somebody died of heart failure that was a rock musician? Yep. It was a man. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah, what, how do you picture most people that die of heart failure? Old. Also. Fat. Yep. Meatloaf? No, he's probably still alive. <laughs> he's still alive, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Old, fat, old in 95. Old and fat. Uh I don't know. Jerry Garcia. Oh, right, right. That's right. In fact, he's so old and fat that they named ice cream after him. Yep. 95, y'all. During the 1995 O.J. Simpson trial, all the network's news broadcasts gave more airtime to the details of that case than to the Bosnian War and the Oklahoma City bombing combined. So many people, over 100 million, were watching, listening to the O.J. Simpson verdict Mm-hmm. That long distance calls declined by 58%. Trading on the New York Stock Exchange decreased by 41%. Water usage decreased. Wow. And there was an estimated $480 million in lost produ- productivity due to work stopping. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? Just for that, the verdict. Just for the OJ right? verdict. Wow. 
that Steve Bishop and I were high-fiving it. It's weird that, that there's that much productivity in just that, what, 15 minutes or whatever it is that that, that, that took. costs that much money. Yeah, yeah, that it costs that much money. And so people always estimate how much money is lost yeah. because of March Madness. Oh, they do. Yeah, because everybody goes to the bar. Dolly the Clone Sheep yeah. was born on July 5th of 95. Okay. And lived for seven years. Remember that? The yeah. Clone Sheep? I do. I can't believe it was that long ago. Yeah. Oh, did you hear, speaking of cloned, in recent news, what Barbara Streisand just admitted? No. She's had her dog cloned several times. What? Like her last three dogs have all been cloned from the same dog. That's bizarre. You can do that? Barbara Streisand can do that. I didn't even know that that they they were to that level of cloning that they could. Well, if you're Barbara Streisand, think how much money she has. Right. I'm just saying I didn't know scientists were at that level that they could just clone Willy nilly like well, that. Well, this makes me believe it. If ninety five was the first time they actually cloned a, a sheep, sheep, I mean it's twenty eighteen. Right. I'm gonna give Don McAllister shit about that. Yeah, that's oh, true. Oh, I love Barbara Streisand. <laughs> Don McAllister is the greatest human ever. He's a retired first grade teacher that loves Barbara Streisand. Yep. And if you even try to tell him Barbara Streisand isn't great, he will cut you, and that's he gets true. furious. I love Barbara Streisand. I have all her albums. She's the greatest singer of all time. Ninety five, y'all. <laughs> oh my God, this guy's my hero. New Mexico State Senator Duncan Scott introduced an amendment that psychologists were required to wear a wizard's hat when they testify <laughs> in court. <laughs> the amendment passed with a unanimous Senate vote, but was removed from its bill before consideration by the State House. Oh, man. So it never became law. Oh, that sucks. That would have been a riot. That totally sucks. Wizard's hat. God. 95, y'all. Match.com started in 1995. Oh, really? It's been yeah. around that long. People have been meeting online since 1995. Auction Web began in San Jose, California on September 3rd, 1995. It turned into eBay? Yep, by Pierre Omidyar. Yep. It changed the name to eBay in September of 97. Cost of a Super Bowl ad in 1995? 950000 Nope. Oh. $1,150,000. Oh, so it, it jumped. really jumped. It really jumped in 95. Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill album came out in 95. Uh, that was a good album. Did you like that? Mm-hmm. I went down on you in a theater. Yep. She's singing about Dave Coulier, if you didn't That's know That's what that. I've heard. Number one hits of 95 were, I Need Kamozi, Here Come the Hot Stepper. Oh, right. I'm a lyrical gangster. Remember that? Yep. Um, TLC Creep, Madonna mm-hmm. Take a Bow, Montel mm-hmm. Jordan, This Is How We Do It, This Is How mm-hmm. We Do It. Brian Adams, have you ever really loved a woman? Remember how bad that song yeah, that's was? Yeah, awful. TLC Waterfalls. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Michael Jackson, you are not alone. Mm -hmm. Julio Gangsta's Paradise. That was the video that um, Drew Barrymore was in with him. Really? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. The video she was in with him. I don't think so. It's it's true. I don't think Drew Barrymore. It was. They were married. Drew Barrymore did not marry Michael Jackson. Oh no no no, Lisa Marie Presley. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. That's right. That's what I'm thinking. I was like, what are you talking about? No, Lisa Marie Presley. But the 95 Video Music Awards, the, the award show was hosted by Dennis Miller yeah. at Radio Music City Hall, and TLC and Weezer were the biggest winners of the night, mm-hmm. each taking home four awards. TLC won the two main awards, Viewer's Choice Award and Video of the Year for Waterfalls, mm-hmm. where they kind of turn into these, like the water turned into yeah. them, and they're still so gorgeous, and yeah. that song was cool. But yeah. Weezer had the video for Buddy Holly, which you said you didn't remember. Ooh, no. me, you, I, I remember just, the song. I just don't remember the video. so great. Every song on that album is great, by the way. The Blue Album. I had that in college, and we listened to it all the time. It was great. Um, but in that video, they um, it looks like they're the band and playing for Happy Days. Uh, they spliced in the Happy Days right. footage. It was kind of cool. The Grammy Awards was hosted by Paul Reiser that year. It was on mm-hmm. March 1st. And the Grammy winners... Where the record of the year was Cheryl Crow. All I want to do is have some fun. Okay. Yeah, I didn't have feeling. All right. I'm not the only one. Uh, Song of the Year was Bruce Springsteen, Streets of Philadelphia. Uh, the Oscars that year were hosted by Dave Letterman. Yeah. And the best picture was Forrest Gump. So that it was from the great... year, year before, yeah. 95, is when they won a Forrest Gump. Won everything, like best picture. Yeah. Most, they won six awards that year. Deep dive. 
So what happened on April 19th, 1995? April 19th, 1995, the top songs on the radio, when whatever you're about to talk about happened, the top songs were Montel Jordan's This Is How We Do mm-hmm. It, TLC's Red Light Special All Through The Night, mm-hmm. Soul For Real, Candy Rain, Adina Howard, Freak Like Me, and Real McCoy. Run away, run away. The top okay. movies on April 19th of 95 were mm-hmm. Friday. Mm-hmm. The Basketball Diaries, mm-hmm. Bad Boys, which is the greatest movie ever, Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. And did you know the role of Mike Lowry was destined for Arsenio Hall? But no, he turned I did it down. I did not know that. Big mistake. Um, and Tommy Boy was the big movie. Okay, so shortly after 9 o'clock a.m. on April 19, 1995, a Ryder rental truck with a 7,000-pound ammonium nitrate fuel bomb exploded with terrifying force in front of the nine-story Alfred P. Mira Federal Building in downtown Oklahoma City. So the Oklahoma City bombing occurred. Oklahoma um, City bombing. Yes, and uh, it it left 168 people dead and hundreds more injured. The blast was set off by anti-government militant Timothy McVeigh. White guy, a white domestic terrorist. Who in 2001 was executed for his crimes. His co-conspirator, Terry Nichols, was sentenced to life in prison. Until well, September 11, 2001, the Oklahoma City bombing was the worst terrorist attack to take place on U.S. soil. And it's you. interesting to me when you were talking about how O.J., the O.J. trial was so, it, it just overshadowed everything in 95. And it that was two people that died, whereas the Oklahoma City bombing was... So much bigger. All these people. 168 people dead. Yeah. But everybody cared about OJ. That's it's all just, they talk about. It's OJ. just weird. Um, I think because he was so famous. And is wasn't is this the Unabomber? No, that's Tim. That was Ted Kaczynski. This is Timothy McVeigh. What did McVay. Ted Kaczynski do? He mailed bombs in the mail to people. And was that later? Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, that's, that's I always later. thought this was the Unabomber, and then they no. found out who he was. And then they no, this is, t- this is Timothy yeah, McVeigh. mixed up. So initially... It is crazy that <clears throat> all these people died, and all we talk about is OJ. I think they were obsessed more with OJ being a superstar, and everybody knows who yeah. he is, so you feel like he's it was so him. weird. And he was, even though he was Nordberg on Naked Gun, he was a sideline reporter. So every, yeah. everybody who watched football... Knew him. Like It was like he was talking nobody to you. Nobody knew who this Timothy McVeigh guy yeah, was. Nobody knew who he was. Or And honestly... In all of America, there's probably a huge percentage of our population that doesn't really know where Oklahoma is. Well, that's true. Is that by Nevada? No, it's over by, is it by Nebraska? Oklahoma? Like, it's yeah. somewhere, like. It's somewhere in the middle. It's just way out in the middle, and no, yeah. they're not really. Kind of south, but not really. Yeah, yeah, nobody knows where Oklahoma is. So the powerful explosion blew off the building's entire north wall. Emergency crews raced to Oklahoma from across the country, and when the rescue effort finally ended two weeks later, the death two toll. Two weeks? Yep. The death oh. toll stood at 168 people. The blast was heard over 50 miles away. Oh, my god! And it, it caused tiles to fall from ceilings and buildings up to three miles away. Oh, so my gosh. They could hear the blast over 50 miles away, and the buildings were shaking and things up to three miles that's away. That's insane. I did not know that. So that, yeah. that's the thing with this one. When I first knew you were doing this, I was kind of like, oh, that's uh, so yeah. popular, but at the same time... There's stuff. There's I don't lots of know, stuff. I really don't know much about it, except... Right. I mean, I know it was Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. I know he was a white guy, and he was a piece of shit, of course. Yes. But, but that's probably the extent of, you know, like you said, mm-hmm. I went about my day. I was yep. like, oh, it's Oklahoma. Right. It's almost the same as mm-hmm. you know we hear about all this horrible stuff going on in syria and we all just go about our day that's right but this is america serious nothing but oklahoma is like right behind syria in my mind because it's just so far it's yeah. far away to me i don't even know where it is it's like yeah. a foreign land so the list of the deceased included 19 young children yes the daycare in the building's daycare There's center at daycare. the time i do remember and that, that, that being devastating well that asshole parked the truck right on that wall right below the daycare um only six children survived. Do you think he knew the whole there was daycare. a daycare there? He did. He had a weeks before he took a tour of the building. Oh, so he knew and was asking where so he was trying. He did. To he wanted to. Children. He wanted to get as many casualties as possible. That's why he did it at nine a.m. Yeah. When people were going to be in the building, not in the middle of the night. Um, more than eight hundred <sighs> other people were injured in the bombing, which damaged or destroyed over three hundred buildings in the immediate area. Oh gosh, um, three hundred. McVeigh was he was a big star Star Wars nerd. And he, fa- he fancied himself as like a Luke Skywalker and that the loss of the innocent life, he um, 
he said that was like blowing up the Death Star and that if you work in the Death Star, you might be innocent in, in your own life, but you're just a casualty of the greater good kind of thing. Oh, because like the government, he said uh -huh. the government was evil? Was, yes. Um, there was um, Which, one victim. The government is evil, but it doesn't mean you kill all those people. Well, not in the way he thought, though. Um, it was all he was just an NRA nut, and it was all about guns for him that they were taking away because the Brady Bill had passed uh, recently. Really, that's what and his motivation was, was. It was all about guns. He really yes. thought people were taking his guns. Yes. Yep. Oh, how relevant so, today. Crazy. So, um, one of the victims, Dana Bradley, was at the Social Security office to and to get her newborn son a Social Security card, oh, and she was God. there with with her son, her mother, brother, <sighs> and sister, and her mother, brother, and her newborn son were killed, and her sister was badly burned, and she got trapped under the rubble, and to get free, her leg have to, had to be amputated with a pocket knife. Oh, my God. Um, because she did, the guy... She amputated the, herself? No, the, there was a, a surgeon came, but they couldn't. Um, the scalpel, oh I can't remember God. what the story was, but the, the he had to use a pocket knife because oh. he had to get through. The scalpel wasn't oh. didn't work. Yeah, I know, I know. So, um, rescue attempts took two weeks. Most oh. of the deaths could have been prevented with an inexpensive upgrade to the construction. So they used, Wait, the, when they constructed the building, they used a cheaper material. Yeah. And if they would have used rebar, which is a more expensive, but it's just a few dollars more, yeah. they would have saved a lot of lives if they would have done that. But they didn't. But they the used cheaper material. And, cheaper. and one of the... Um, one of the city planners knew and oh, was like really? what even warned officials and said that the, this building is not safe you oh, know that something gee. could happen Holy crap. um so a massive hunt for the bombing suspects ensued and on april 21st an eyewitness description led authorities to charge timothy mcveigh who was a former u.s army soldier in the case he was a u.s army soldier he huh? was he yeah, and we'll get into his gun nut. We'll, we'll get into his his past. So as it turned out, he was already in jail because he was stopped a little more after an a little more than an hour after the bombing. He was stopped for a traffic violation. What? Yeah. So he was he got, already in jail. He well he he parked the truck. Right. Then he got to went to his getaway car. Yeah. Which there's speculation that there was another. There's more. There was another accomplice. Uh, accomplice. Because he maybe he was to, the accomplice for him to get OJ. to the getaway car. He. He was driving, and uh, he got stopped. And um, he, he was driving a, in the getaway car. Yeah, and he got stopped, and he had a handgun on him that was um, not licensed. And so they arrested him for that. And they didn't know when they arrested him. Wait, 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 wait! You're saying they arrested him right after the bombing? Right after the hours. Police more than an hours hour, after. A little more than an hour. An after, hour after the bombing, they arrested police him. Police were just going about their business, yep. not thinking he had anything to do with right. this. Right. They were just like, "Oh, this guy's speeding." Yep. And he's got a gun. Mm -hmm. Let's arrest this guy. So yep. they didn't know that they caught the killer, the, right. the mastermind of the Oklahoma City bombing? Yes. And, I had and no idea he, they were going to release him from jail. What? But the rear axle of the truck, which flew off in when it when it exploded, right? The yeah. rear axle flew off and it hit a car full of people and killed him. And they had that. And the wait, VIN wait, wait, number. Wait. The rear axle of the. Of the, of the rider, of truck. the rider right. truck, had flown off when it exploded. When it exploded, and it had hit a hit a car and killed a bunch of people. And yeah. so, but it had the VIN number on it. So the police got the VIN number and they they tracked it to the rental place. Right. And it was registered to this Robert Kling, which right. was an alias McVeigh used. Yeah. Um, and when they when they went, there was an unknown man with him when he went to get the truck. And this man that was supposed to be this olive skin when man. When he rented the truck. When he rented the truck. Right. And that is John Doe. They call him John Doe. They never have they identified. They still don't know who this guy they is? They still don't know. To this day? To this day. What? Um, so there, he had also uh, checked into a hotel. Um, and this woman at the hotel recognized the sketch. Wait, wait. Who checked into the hotel? McVeigh had, the before, before the bombing, yeah. McVeigh had checked into a hotel and used his own name. Oh, what a dumbass. And this woman that worked at the hotel recognized the sketch, and he had used his own name to check into the room. So so they're getting ready to release him from jail, and then all this information comes in that they're like, oh. Before they release him. Before they release him. Yeah. Which is really good luck, because if they would have released him, it would have been another Waco situation where he would have holed himself up somewhere with all his guns, and it would have been a big issue. Huh. So... um. 
So that same day, Terry Nichols, who was an associate of McVeigh's, surrendered in Harrington, Kansas. He was... Um, oh, no, Terry Nichols. I remember that. Remember so that? was he the olive skin guy? No, no. He's somebody else. He was he was a co-conspirator. The olive skin guy is a third unknown. We still don't know who he is. No. Well, so, Could have been my stepdad. He's olive skin. <laughs> both men were found to be members of a radical right-wing survivalist group was based in Michigan. Um, and then on August 8th, Michael Fortier, who knew of McVeigh's plan to bomb the federal building, agreed to testify against McVeigh and Nichols in exchange for a reduced sentence. So he was going to be charged because he knew about it, and he didn't do anything about it. he didn't plan it either. He, he wasn't part of the planning. He just not knew. that I know of. Um, but two days later, McVeigh and Nichols were indicted on charges of murder and un- unlawful use of explosives. So who Man. was Timothy McVeigh? So while he was still in his teens... McVeigh, who was raised in western New York, which is weird to me because I would have thought he would have been in the south. Really? um, He acquired a penchant for guns from his grandfather, and he began homing survivalist skills that he believed would be necessary in the event of a Cold War showdown with the Soviet Union. As a child, as as with a lot of serial killers and mass murderers, he had a head injury, which is a hallmark of anyone who has had who's been a serial killer or really yeah they, they, all have they always injury? have he- head injuries yep so it's it's uh, like uh, brain injury TBI yeah kind of like that yeah causes this kind of behavior it can mm-hmm. huh i so did not know that his grandfather introduced him to a love of guns which was the real reason mcveigh would eventually want to bomb the building what and, a great guy and in 1985 he was he worked at burger king Oh, um, well, that you that's know, where he that explains it. Those whoppers, you know, I mean, making right? whoppers just gets in it. Like, you know, I ordered a, I went to Burger King the other day, and that guy looked like he was pissed at me. Yeah, I was probably planning she, something. Yeah. So he graduated from high school in 1986, and then in 1988, oh, he he enlisted the same in the year army. That, um, the same year that Ron Simmons started in the WWF. All right. In 1988, he enlisted in the Army, where he was a disciplined and meticulous soldier. So he was a really good soldier. He was yeah. just nuts. Right. Um, while in the military, he befriended Terry Nichols. That's where they met. Oh, we met Terry Nichols. Because Terry Nichols was a lot older. He than was a, more than a dozen years older. Right. Um, that's but 12. They both that's were, 12. That's right. And they both were into the survivalist thing. Yeah. And that's when they started getting into that whole survivalist movement. Ugh. In early 91, McVeigh served in the Persian Gulf War. Yeah. He was decorated with several medals Desert for his Storm, military y'all. service. That, was, Which that were, wasn't Desert, Desert Storm. That was Desert Persian Gulf was... Was that Desert Storm or Desert Shield? Oh, aren't those the same kind of... No. Didn't they evolve in one into the other? No, one was... 91 was... Yeah, I guess you're right. George there was two different Bush ones. Senior. But 92 was... <clears throat> well, 92 was when Hulk Hogan fought uh, Sergeant Slaughter. Well, we'll, and Sergeant we'll Slaughter get the corrections and apologies on it. When we, but eh, uh, he we was... Um, he failed to qualify for the Special Forces program. And so he accepted the Army, Army's offer for an early discharge and left in the fall of 91. Uh, the American military was downsizing after the collapse of the Soviet Union. Right. Um, another result of the end of the Cold War was that McVeigh shifted his ideology from a hatred of foreign communist governments to hating the U.S. government. And um, especially after Bill Clinton was elected in 92 and got the Slick Brady Willie, Bill. Y'all. Got the Brady Bill passed. The Brady Bill passed. So... It's weird how so many of these things are parallel. Yeah. Like right now, there's all this stuff yep. with gun control going on. And it's just like constantly history repeating. It is. So, it is. So this makes me a little nervous. It, it does. It makes me feel like this is ruffling. The, the NRA's feathers are being ruffled yes, right it now. Is. So somebody out there is about to go do something like this yeah. probably. There was also a book called The Turner Diaries, which influenced McVeigh. This was a novel. But it was Tina Turner. No, it was a novel, but it was um, outlined how to run your own militia. And it was very explicitly racist. Uh, And it became his Bible pretty much like he fashioned his whole life after the Turner Diaries, which is a big like radical right wing. People love this book and it's real poorly written. It's real. It's just awful. I worked with a guy in 95 that was a survivalist guy. You know, black mother. We called him. We called him Hitler. Well, it's probably not too far off. Um, <sighs> so McVeigh, Nichols, and their associates were deeply radicalized by um, such events as the August 1992 shootout at Ruby Ridge, Idaho, between federal agents and survivalist Randy, Randy Weaver at his rural cabin. So he was holed up in his cabin with his wife and children, yeah. and federal agents stormed it. They ki- ended up killing his wife and child, um, and he was a big 
you know, crazy. He had an arsenal of yeah. weapons, stockpiled them and everything. And um, they, was this big news? It was, yeah. And I don't remember that. especially amongst these radical the right wing, oh, it was like, that, and it, between that and then when Waco happened in '93, where 75 members of the Branch Davidian sect died. Those were the two things. Was 93, were they crazy survivalist people too? Like Na- gun No, nuts? but they were stockpiling weapons. In they Waco. were? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's nuts. And I didn't know. I, and that's the thing. Again, the internet wasn't really much of a thing yet. Yeah. None of this was super common, common knowledge like everything is now. Yeah. Well, Waco was proof that all the conspiracy theories he'd read about in gun show pamphlets was true. So he was a gun show. Like he would go yeah, to gun shows gun all shows, the time. Gun and show loopholes. Gun shows, it's, you know, hundreds of miles of these booths with all these pamphlets about oh, yeah. i mean it just feeds your your yeah. brain with all of you this you need to stock by yourself because the government's going to take the government's coming to take everything yeah, and so and you know the kkk has a booth at the gun show i mean it's, and that's all just to make money right yeah all just yeah. to sell um so mcveigh used those two events ruby ridge and, and waco to justify his actions that's what that's what motivated him to do mm-hmm. what he did and he also had, had signed up for a trial membership with the KKK at one point. Okay, so he's racist. But he decided to not to join them because they were more into the race thing and he was more into the gun thing. And he felt like they didn't focus enough on the guns. And Jeez. he felt like they were they were trying to influence the youth too much or something. I don't know. Um, so he planned his attack on the Murrah building, which had regional offices of like the DEA, the, the, what the FBI. What's the building? What'd you the say? Fe- the Murrah building. Murrah. M U R R A H A H. Murrah building. And it had the DEA, a federal office of the DEA, the FBI, and the um, ATF were oh, all in there. Yeah. And um, the ATF was the ones who launched the raid on Waco. Most of the offices in the building were run of the mill government offices. They were. Eighty percent of the people had no con- no connection to law enforcement at oh, all. Oh yeah, it's terrible. Um, <clears throat> so he picked April nineteenth, ninety five, is because it was the two year anniversary of the Waco siege, the end of the Waco oh, siege. Was? The so, Waco siege lasted for months, but uh, it, the end of it that day was April nineteenth. So, do you have any anything about the night before and what he had planned to do all this? No, because. This is a good time as any to talk okay. about. So the night before, he had to be getting this truck getting ready, ready. Getting everything ready. Building everything ready. So he's going to get up roll. in the morning yep. and do all this. So the night before, while he's preparing the truck, on the news that night, uh, on each network, Peter Jennings was on ABC, Tom Brokaw was on NBC, and Connie Chung was CBS. And they hosted the news. And the top st- here's the top stories all three of them were talking about. I could find this on – this is on – tvnews.vanderbilt.edu. Yeah. Vanderbilt University has a, a chronicling of all the top news stories and any year you want to go find. Well, they cool. have, and you click on each one and it tells you what the story was and why it was in the news. It's got a headline and then it tells you why. Oh, that's pretty And neat. so the big stories they were talking about on all the networks were Joe Montana's retirement, the crash of an Air Force jet in Alabama, uh, the and the feature shows scenes from the site of the crash. It was near Alexander City, Alabama, and it killed an assistant secretary of the Air Force, a general, and six other people. Oh, wow. So to me, it's fascinating to know, like, the night before a huge story, because yeah. you know the next Day was 20 saturated. days was all this bombing, you know. The next several days, that's all. The Oklahoma City bombing was the months. huge months. Yeah. The huge news was the Oklahoma City bombing for months because yeah. I looked at that the next night. It says all of that. The night before that happened, the top news stories were Joe Montana, this Air Force jet in Alabama, the O.J. Simpson trial was yeah. all over it, and a White House press conference that was not aired, uh, but uh, the, the White House press secretary, Michael McCurry, was saying that the president will challenge Congress to pass a welfare reform bill. Okay. That was the big news uh, the night before. And uh, on the late shows uh, that night, on Jay Leno, yeah. on April 18th, he had Dennis Franz and Carol Kane. Okay. And uh, Letterman had David Duchovny, Jamie Lee Curtis, and Mary Chapin Carpenter. There so you go. while he's playing his bill, his bombing, those that things were on. on. He had his radio jammed up to Montel Jordan going, this is how there went. Probably not. It was probably he some. did. No, he had that. No, he I mean, wouldn't he, have. He no, wouldn't he have. wouldn't have. He would have had some horrible, something awful hatred song. Yeah. So on June second, nineteen ninety-seven, he was convicted on all eleven counts against him. And on August ninety-seven, yeah, he was convicted. Okay, so they had him in jail. Yeah, and 
he wasn't convicted until two years later. Right. And on August 14th, the death, penal- the death penalty was formally imposed. It was. So the following year, Fortier, who had met McVeigh in the Army, was sentenced to 12 years in prison for failing to warn authorities about the bombing plan. He was released from prison in 2007 that, and entered the witness protection program. Wait, that's the guy that informed him? No, he didn't. He's the one that knew about it, but he gave a plea deal that he would testify against oh, them. Oh, testified, but he, he didn't t- warn anybody. He, no, he that's he that's why he got jail time okay. because he knew about it. Wait, wait. Tell describe this guy again. What's his name? Michael Fortier. Michael Fortier. And he was another army buddy. And, and he knew about the bombing plan. He knew about the bombing plan and he was in witness protection in what year? He went into the witness protection program in ninety eight. Ninety eight. And we yep. have no idea how old he is. We'll have to look that up. No, no, no. I'm sorry. He went into jail in ninety eight to serve a twelve year sentence and he in two thousand seven he entered the witness protection program. So he's free. Oh, we gotta look up his age because I don't know about you, but there's there's like a half dozen people I've met that I'm like, I think that there's something up with that dude. He's probably in the witness that protection dude's in the program. Witness protection program. Witness protection, because you Could know, be. everyone be. knows somebody in the witness That's protection. Right. That's right. So in December 1997, Nichols, Nichols, Terry Nichols, was found guilty on one count of conspiracy and eight counts of involuntary manslaughter for killing federal law enforcement personnel and was sentenced to life in prison. This, this is going to sound um, uh, frivolous, but every time you say Nichols, I just, I instantly stop listening and I think of those donuts that were made by Nichols Bakery that were like the three All right, chocolate donuts. That does donuts sound stupid. And the three All right. donuts. In 2004, he was tried on state charges in Oklahoma and convicted oh, of 161 counts of first degree murder, fuck yeah. including fetal homicide. He received 161 consecutive life terms in prison. So he's still in jail? Mm, oh, yeah. Still alive? Oh, yeah. But in, the other, McVeigh's dead. No, he's not. Wait a minute. So in December 2000, McVeigh asked a federal judge to stop all appeals of his convictions and to set a date for his execution because he wanted to die. 2000 is ready to die. The request was granted, and on June 11, 2001, McVeigh, at the age of 33, which is pretty young. Whoa, he was only 33? In in 2001. Somebody's 95, he was what? I can't do that math. No, I can't either, but he was young. Five, six years? 33? 26 or something? Yeah. He was only a 26-year-old kid? Yep. He Damn. died in, in at age thirty three he died by lethal injection at the US penitentiary in Terre Haute, Indiana. Terre Haute. What's was, his last meal? It doesn't say he and was the muscles first, and a bunch of strawberry yeah. milkshakes. Oh. He was the first federal prisoner to be put to death since nineteen sixty three. You know, here's what I think they should do. I know maybe that O. J. Simpson hundred touchdown thing wasn't as popular, but if somebody like that that fucking kills a bunch of kids and shit and he wants to die and get the death penalty, that's fine. But before we do your Soft lethal injection. You killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. Anybody who wants to gets to line up and punch you in the balls and the face and just. just I think let him rot in jail. I don't. I think don't kill him. I think let him sit and rot and live and live and live and, and to get, eat like three cheeses a day. Yeah. And that's it. Just to keep him alive. And, and but people need to tag him in the balls. Like yeah. Brian McCartney just gets to hit him in the nuts. In May 1995, the Murrah Building was demolished for safety reasons, and the Oklahoma City National Memorial Museum later opened at the site. Man. And that is the story of the Oklahoma City bombing. Wow. Was it as boring as you thought it would be? No. You know, I did learn a lot. Yeah. Um, And really, the focus of this podcast is to learn things. Right. Because I didn't pay attention to that because, again, while this was happening, I was partying it up in college. I was smoking a lot of pot. I was drinking some cold We don't need to over... You I was know, playing, share. I was playing euchre with my boys. We had a euchre chart at the House of Fun. The House of Fun. All right, was we don't need to go into college. this. We need to wrap it up. The theater guys lived, and we, it was cool. We had a lot of fun drinking coffee. Uh, so Brendan anyway, Kane had Saudi Arabian pudding. Anyway, Brendan Kane. Just let me explain who Brendan Kane is. He's a big guy. He's a giant. He's six foot five. He's got a hairless torso, but his feet are covered in hair. Uh, he's Irish, and he won't let anybody forget it. Uh, and he's the best gibberish talker mm-hmm. in the world. And Brad Abner lived with me then, and he okay. died like this guy. This anyway. isn't really what I was thinking we could end it like. Oh, was? That's not how you no, wanted it? No, that's not how I wanted to end it. The House of Fun is the greatest. Do you like, at the end of the episodes, when I have a different Matt Truman song, or do you think we should pick one Matt Truman song and go? I don't know. Because I'm thinking if we mix it up, people get to hear that yeah. how different his songs are that they really should yeah, purchase. Yeah, the, the ending is good. I like the same in the beginning. but In the beginning, yeah. I'll always start with the yeah. time, uh, which is a song called Chrissy, by the way. Yeah. Um, and Matt Truman's, 
I just want everyone to know that Matt that all those songs are off one album, yeah. one great album. And he's got more albums that I have yeah. that I might dabble into in the next seasons. Yeah. But Matt Truman Ego Trips album, uh, everybody's got one. Yeah. I will tell you right now, every song on that album is good. Every yeah. single one. And it's available on Amazon.com. It's only like eight bucks. Yeah. So Go just shell it. out some cash. Help this dude out. Again, he needs to be creating music. Yeah. Um, so with that, should we have Matt Truman send us out? Let's do it. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. Get out of here, Chuck Berry. This was episode six, 1995. A lot of information came from, do you have any websites to quote? It was Time, I think. Time Magazine. Time Magazine. And there's other things like that. Popculture.us, Vanderbilt.edu, Wikipedia. Anybody, you know, just let us know. Put it in the show notes. Is there a show notes? Put it in the show notes. Where? Like just a little thing on the website. I'll do that. You want to Oh, you did. Oh, yeah. Don Johnson? Crockett and Crockett. Tubbs. <laughs> Crockett and Tubbs. That's an oldie. Stubbs and Crockett?